0: Welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about budget. Ah, everyone's least favorite thing to talk about with their clients, money. But it's so important. Uh, so I'll catch you up a little with what's going on in the store this week. It's been chaotic as usual. Um, gosh, you know, the floor is already packed with stuff, right? Furniture everywhere and we're still trying to reconfigure our vignettes for next year. And it's been really difficult. Um, you know, imagine you you go to a pottery barn or a store like that and and they reset their floors. They do it quarterly, so little four times a year with the big main pieces. And then they have little mini seasons where they'll change just the accessories for, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Well, I was trying to do the same thing. And with our supply chain issues, it's been incredibly difficult. It's hard to pick furniture for next year for the latest styles when it's going to take six months to come in, right? I'm trying to do the the, the most cutting edge, fashion forward styles that we can present to, to new clients to see, you know, what interests them. But designing it now, again, waiting six months, fingers crossed that it still <laughs> looks as good when you get it, that it's still in style, that the tr- the trend is still holding strong. But then we've got um, clients who are just desperate for furniture right now. And for those of you who are designing already, I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, gosh, even Restoration Hardware and Pottery Barn, those, those companies are still quoting 26 to 30 weeks, just like we are. So people are getting frantic. This is supposed to be our busy season. This is when people are getting ready for the holidays. They want their houses to be beautiful. So if they can't order furniture that takes a couple weeks, if they can't buy it off the floor to get it now, they're just angry. (laughs) So we have to deal with all of that. But as I've been designing the floor, we're getting pieces one at a time, right? We used to be able to just buy a vignette and we get it all at once. And now we'll get a chair here. We'll get a cabinet here. I got a rug yesterday, and some bar stools and a cabinet that I ordered in March at market. So now it's like, all right, we didn't get the other pieces. I have to rethink this vignette. How can we pull it together? Um, And then Thursday, we got an unexpected shipment of 22 pieces from Four Hands. Love Four Hands. At least we're getting furniture. But 22 pieces, it was supposed to be here on Friday, and it came on Thursday. Surprise! It was also the day that I decided to drag up 20 tubs and boxes full of Christmas decorations to design the floor. I thought if we could get those up, get things out, get organized, then when we get the forehand shipment, we're just wiggling pieces in. And so our store looks like half glitter bomb, <laughs> half shipping department, and uh, it's pretty chaotic. But I've created some really cool uh, vignettes I'm pretty proud of. So I'll be taking some pictures and having an Elliot post those. Don't let me forget. Um, so budget, we had a couple situations this week come up working with clients about budget and it's, it's just such an important aspect of our career. And like I said, it's, it's the part that you don't really want to talk about. And it's uncomfortable. We don't like asking people how much can you afford, right? You don't, we're, we're trained not to, to ask people those personal questions. Money is personal, But as a designer, when we need, you know, $10,000, $20,000, $100,000 to do a design properly, you can't do that blind. You can try, (laughs) as my designers keep saying, I should have listened. I should have got the budget. I'm never going to design again without a budget. But getting that budget is hard, it's emotionally hard. Uh, You know, the clients are, are not used to being asked what they can spend. But I'm going to help you kind of put it into perspective, give you some techniques on how to get the budget, and then this is going to be a two-parter because it's really that important. The second half, I'm going to teach you how to respect their budget, how to get them to increase their budget, um, how to really work around limited budgets. Because that is one thing that's really important. It was something another designer, I overheard her saying once, and it was like this, lightning bolt uh, you know moment where she said to someone who was talking about the budget and was getting you know hesitant she said listen it's my job as a designer to help you decide what a realistic budget is for your project and that made so much sense that it, we're not just saying you know how much money have you got and then we're going to spend every penny it is part of our job to help them understand what is a realistic budget you know, you ask them how much they have to spend, but then we need to educate them as to what they can afford with that. And it's not us trying to push expensive things on or get them to, to spend more money than they have or to go into debt, God forbid. But it's just that people don't know how much furniture costs. It's not something you shop for every day. Hopefully you only shop for it two or three times in a lifetime if you're buying quality furniture. So, you know that being said, it's not like you know cars. People are much more familiar with the price of cars. TVs; those are other big ticket items. We're used to going into Costco. We see what prices are of these new TVs. You know, we know to get the big, newest, fancy flat. You know, it's it's four thousand, right? You know what sound systems cost because we're just bombarded with numbers. We we see them in the ads. But when think about when you see furniture numbers, when. As just a consumer in general, when do you see furniture prices? It's usually at discount stores. It's usually some place that has purchased huge containers full of furniture from China or India, uh, Vietnam, <laughs> if they can get them here through the port of LA, and and that's where you see uh, you know a living room set you get a sofa, a love seat, a dining room, or a a coffee table, two end tables, the lamps for $9.99. That's that's not the typical design client, right? That's not someone who's going to hire a designer. And that's because the designer needs to make some money, right? So if you're going to spend $1,000 for an entire living room of furniture, it probably doesn't make sense to spend $1,500 on the person that says, yeah, that's a good set. (laughs) Yeah, it'll fit. You get my gist. So Understanding that, for the most part, consumers are just used to seeing the cheapest prices out there. Right, cars—it's across the board. Doesn't matter what state you live in, a Honda, a Toyota—they're going to cost the same. But furniture is different. There's so many different manufacturers. The name brands aren't well known, so they're not having to rely on you know the the name brand Honda, where you know it's quality. You know your your consumer base already understands the quality. Here, it's up to us to educate. Why is this entire furniture set $900? And our sofa is $3,000. That's where product knowledge comes in. That's where learning your vendors, learning tips about the vendors, learning what bench-made furniture means. How long has the company been in business? What is kiln-dried wood? vice, you know, fresh green wood that, that some manufacturers use. Um, what is the different density in foam in your cushions? Huge disparity in price in cushion contents. These are things that as a designer, the more you know, the more you educate yourself about the vendors that you have available to your, to you. And you can do this with anything, even if you're going to, to Crate and Barrel or, or Pottery Barn, get on their website. It'll tell you about their furniture. It'll tell you what it's made of, where it's made, you know the construction, the the gauge of the steel, um, you know how the joints are put together, the warranty. If you're educated in those things, if you if you really study it and remember it and have those as your little tools to use, when you're talking budget, when you're talking money, it makes it so much easier for yourself and for the client. Right then they understand. Uh, I've used this analogy many times, but again, another light bulb moment for me uh, was when my husband was picking out his Tundra and Tundras were brand new. He was so excited. Um, They'd been out for about a year and he was watching. He knew everything about them and he was excited. He told me the price. He knew the price. And he went to go buy it that day and he came back home and he told me the price and it was different. (laughs) It was a lot more than we had originally discussed. And I said, what? I thought you said it was going to be this. And he said, well, I got the towing package and I said, we don't tow, we don't have nothing to tow. And he said, well, it's the transmission. It was different seats. It was different, you know, wheels and tires. And I thought, okay, well that makes sense, right? That, that has a value. I now see why it was more expensive. Totally okay with that. So again, the more product knowledge you have, you need to educate people why designer furniture, heirloom quality furniture, quality furniture costs more. It's not just price gouge. It's not because there's some fancy name on it. There really is a difference. So let's get down to how to get the budget. Now, like I said, you can't design without a budget. You you walk into a house. Maybe it's a huge, giant, beautiful house. They drive nice cars, but it's empty. The house is empty. You're thinking, oh, this is my chance, right? I'm going to fill it. This will be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of of designer fees and furniture. But you don't know, maybe they spent every last cent and they are mortgaged up to their eyeballs to buy the house and the cars. Maybe they have nothing left for furniture. So you walk in, you can never assume, never assume that the size of a house is going to be a direct correlation to the amount of budget they have to spend on the interior. So asking them for that number is critical to your sanity as a designer. Over and over and over, I see designers creating this ideal design. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's our nature. Create the most beautiful room we can think of, the most perfect room for this client, the the most functional space, the, the coolest kitchen with all the gadgets and whistles. That's what we love to do. But if it's not in the budget, then you're shooting yourself in the foot and the client will disrespect you. They won't trust you. It's just a snowball effect. So understanding what their budget is, has got to be a top priority for that first house call. And you know, I talk about that. The first house call is really, it's information gathering. You're taking pictures, you're taking measurements, you're getting to see if this is the right kind of a fit and you're going to talk about money. Now I save it for the end. I do drop little hints now and then. I'll talk uh, on the phone call, maybe when you're setting up that first house call, I'll say things like, now this first house call is to gather information and take measurements. And we'll discuss your budget. We'll discuss your timeframe and your priorities. So you've dropped these little seeds. We're going to be talking about budget. We're going to be talking about budget. We're going to be talking about budget. And then when you get to the house, start with the chit chat, right? We talked about that. You're just having a great time. You're connecting, you're bonding, you're noticing everything, you're sketching in your sketchbook, you're getting them involved. And I always come down to the end and it's that chat that I talk about where, all right, let's sit down and we'll, you know, that was the fun part. Let's talk business. So you sit down and one of the first questions needs to be, now, how much were you thinking of investing in this project? There's tons of, of studies that, that, um, prove that saying words like, how much were you planning to invest? <laughs> Not just how much can you spend? Right? You have to, again, remembering that money's tricky, kind of a taboo subject in our culture. Understand that you need to be respectful of it. So by mentioning that you're they're investing in furniture, that's step one. So how much were you thinking of investing in this project? And I guarantee you, Nine times out of 10. Nine times. The one, that one is where you better go buy a lottery ticket. But the nine times they will say, well, I don't know. If I like it, then I'll buy it. Absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. I've never seen it happen in my 30 years and I've never seen it happen. They have a number. They know they have a number. There's, there's, in the back of their mind, how much they would like to spend, how much they are guessing it's going to cost, right? Uh, How much they can kind of stretch if they had to, you know, I want to spend 20,000, but if I really had to, I could probably spend 30. They know all of these numbers in their mind, but they don't want to tell you. They don't want to tell you because they're afraid that you're going to Take their money and run, or you're gonna put all twenty thousand on a sofa, or you know you're you're gonna um, you know if you hear too big of a number, you're gonna spend every cent, right? Um, we usually do, but that's not the point. The point is they just don't trust us enough, and they don't know why we need to know. Again, money is personal. But when you go buy a car, you you don't go into a Mercedes dealership and they say, "Well, you know, what are you looking to spend?" You don't say, well, I'm not going to tell you. If I like it, I'll buy it." That's not how it works, right? You, you discuss what the going rate is, you discuss what the price is, you, you have a budget in mind, you talk about that, you, you go in knowing. So with this, you're asking, how much would you like to invest? And they say, well, I don't really know. I say, all right, well, let's talk about what some typical furniture pieces cost. Would that be helpful? Again, you're always asking, asking permission. You're letting them know that this is—is is it okay? We're talking about money. Um, I start out by I usually let them know why you need to know. Say, my my biggest go-to uh, phrase has always been. Uh, now, furniture has you know good, better, best. We have such a huge variety of prices that we can get. Um, you know, I've got thousands of vendors that I could find, and they're all different price ranges. I could find a rug for $500. I could find the same size rug for $20,000. So I'd be really embarrassed if I came with a $20,000 rug and you had you know, a $1,000 rug in mind. So I'm not trying to spend all your money. I just want to know as a designer what area I should be looking at, what what, um, vendors I should be pulling from. I want to make sure you get the best quality for your money. You're saying phrases like that so they understand you care about them. You need to know this for them. You need to know the price so that you're not wasting their time, your time. You're not embarrassing them or yourself. So usually it's a conversation like, um, all right, so Mrs. Smith, we've talked about your living room and you really want to focus on your living room right now. And we talked about, you're probably going to need a sofa. You want a big chair over here with an ottoman, a coffee table, probably do some end tables, I always leave a budget out for accessories and art, some lighting, um, and an area rug. Now, with, um, you know, I think with the style, and it seems like, um, you know, the the direction you want to go with this project, you're going to live here for the next five years. It's not your forever house, and you have young kids. So I don't want to put all of your money into, you know, a a coffee table that's going to get beat up and colored on, but I do want your sofa to last. So, I would rather you spend you know, more of your budget on the sofa and the upholstery pieces that the kids are going to be jumping on and a performance fabric that can be easily cleaned. And then we can save money on maybe a less expensive coffee table, uh, maybe a less expensive rug. Um, you know, We'll keep the artwork to something that you can build your collection. So we're going to be saving and splurging, for lack of a better term, on certain items. So this room, I would... Say could range between you know 10,000 and 15,000 or 20,000 and 40,000, but give them a little range and see what they think. If, if they say, Well, okay, that's kind of what I was expecting, great. If they still have no idea, you can say, Well, a hundred thousand, you know, make kind of a joke out of this. Oh, no, I don't want to spend a hundred thousand. All right, well, 500. Well, I can spend more than five hundred. All right, so we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I mean, you have to keep kind of working at it. Now, if they don't give you a budget again, and some people don't say, you, you really do have to kind of say, "Well, I'm expecting this room to be about ten thousand with with the pieces that I can find for this many pieces." So if that's not comfortable. It's totally okay. But just let me know because then I could also figure out a schedule for you. We could build upon it. We could get your key pieces now, you know, and invest in maybe a really good sofa and you can keep the rug that you have now. Uh, And then, you know, we could do six months or a year later. You could do phase two. Maybe your kids are about to move out. We can do phase three and and help them wrap their head around that. They're going to see you're not trying to take all their money. You're not trying to just spend it frivolously. You are respecting them, but this is a profession. This is a a, a structured system we go through, and you can't just wing it. There's no room for, well, I don't know, we'll see. That doesn't fit into our world. So you have to get some kind of a number. Now, the flip side, and this is the the situation that's come up uh, a few times this week what if they have a number? What if they say, I got it. I have $20,000 to spend. And yet they've told you they want a bathroom remodeled, a kitchen remodeled, <laughs> and all new furniture. That is not realistic. There's no way. I, I still am fighting with some designers about telling a client we can do a full kitchen remodel for under 40000 I mean, the quality of that I don't want to have my name on. $40,000 kitchen with new appliances, flooring, countertops, backsplash, you know, everything that goes into a kitchen. To and and then you've got the contractor, you've got permitting, um, you know, all of that adds up. You've got a lot of middlemen involved, tile setters, floor layers, the countertop fabricators are separate. The the counter or the cabinet installation is usually separate. Then you've got cabinet manufacturers, lighting, electrical plumbing. <laughs> See what I'm getting with? It, it just snowballs. So if someone comes to you and says they have $20,000 for a kitchen, that's when you talk about painting the cabinets, maybe a new countertop, maybe reusing some of their appliances, keeping their old sink. You know, you, you'll find ways to fit it in. It's not to say that you can't help someone, that they don't deserve to have a designer if they only have $20,000 to spend but you can't start showing them the fancy appliances with the see-through refrigerator or the the dishwasher drawers. You know, when you get appliances that are $10,000, it's just not realistic. So, getting that budget and helping them realize what is realistic, what they can get for their money without being insulting. You know, these are all little f- finesse conversations. These are things that it does take time to um Kind of get your phrases to get your groove to where you feel really comfortable talking about it. And remember that building that trust and the connection with the client at that first 45 minutes of your house call, that's going to determine how well this conversation goes as well. You never want to insult someone because they can't afford it. You just have to find ways to soften the blow, to say, you know, that's all right, Let's talk about your budget now, and then again, you know, we'll we'll figure out what a timeline would be. Because with twenty thousand, I can spruce this up <laughs> and make it look beautiful. A Fresh coat of paint here, you know, a little bit of that, maybe a new backsplash. It, it'll be beautiful. So again, being respectful—that's that, so important, and it's going to build on that trust that you're going to need them to have in you. For the next six months working on the project, um, you know, if a piece of furniture comes in late, are you someone they trust where they're like, okay, she's not trying to take advantage? It really, you know, she didn't just forget to order it, it really is late. This trust you set up at the beginning and, and your confidence in having these difficult conversations about money, these open and honest conversations about money, it just adds respect and trust to you, to the client. Wouldn't it be great if every business operated this this way? Wouldn't it be great if you took your car into a mechanic and they said, I'm going to shoot you straight. This problem that we think it is, it could be this much. Now, I've seen it where if we just replace this part, we can do it for this, but I just want a heads up, it could cost this. Now, before I do any work, I will call and tell you what that price is and maybe discuss alternatives. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every industry worked like that. And the difference between our industry and something like a mechanic is when you especially start a remodel project, or even these days ordering furniture, you are with this client for six months. You expect to talk to these people every two weeks. You have a relationship. You're going to get Christmas cards. You might be invited to Thanksgiving, but you've got to bond with them now. So the more respectful, caring, and honest you are up front... The better the relationship's gonna be. Now, like I said, with some clients that those, you know once in a lifetime clients that say, "Um, gosh, I've got two hundred thousand dollars to spend." <laughs> I mean, those are fun, right? And it's still gonna be work for you. I guarantee it sounds like a lot of money. But it always comes with it's the little details, right? you get to the end and realize you have nothing for accessories or you forgot rugs or something but so even that when they do have a big budget, that's more work and responsibility for you to track all of that to not blow it on frivolous things for instance <laughs> um I saw a customer um, recently that, Uh, wanted us to ship a piece of art. It was a five foot by seven foot piece of art. It's really big. You can't FedEx that. You can't UPS it. It's a couple. The husband confessed to me. He said, I don't even really like the thing. They're shipping it to Arizona to their vacation home. He said, if it's going to cost, I paid $3,000 for it. If it's going to cost me $3,000 to ship it, I'm going to be upset. So I'd rather pay less. I don't care if it gets dinged up a bit. Then they're saying, well, here you have a box that might fit the piece of art, but I think the box is a little bit narrow, but it's a great box. What if we take the frame off the art so the art itself fits in the box? We ship it down to Arizona, and then we pay to have it reframed. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, to have that much disposable income that you could spend you know, five or six thousand dollars on a piece of art you don't even care about. When I, and I said to him, "Why don't you just sell that piece of art here and buy a new piece of art that you like?" When you get to Arizona. No, no, that's not an option. So, you do have those clients right with these incredible budgets, and they really don't care about money. But that doesn't mean that that's an easier client, right? That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy peasy for you it comes with its own set of headaches it comes with its own set of accounting you have to do bookkeeping um you know there there is that level of uh i don't know it's you get what i mean getting the budget is important um being respectful and you you do hope for a good budget you hope for a good budget you hope for something that um you can get the good quality pieces. You have a little bit left over to go do your jersey, your magic. You can kind of talk them into that crazy, really fashion-forward, fun piece. Um, you know, you're hoping that you get those clients that that they've worked hard to save for it, so they value it, but they're excited to finally have someone help them spend it correctly, so that they don't waste money. You could talk about that a lot. You know, a designer is here to make sure you don't waste money on mistakes. Right, All of those little phrases that help build that trust, build that connection, build that friendship with them so that they do give you a little more leeway, a little more uh, creative freedom to spend it as a designer would, to create the most beautiful design that you can for them within that budget. I've given you a lot to think about. Next week, I'm going to be talking about what happens when the budgets don't line up, how do you save money, and and I really want to talk about boundaries you shouldn't cross when it comes to budget. Got to be respectful. Thanks, everyone. Happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at Chelsea at designforliving.com. dot com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforliving.com.